Hey, podcast world. I'm Joe McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And this is Afraid Not, episode 33. We're so glad you're listening, and we have a great conversation to share with you today. And our guest is named Dee Hudson. Dee is a great friend. I'm so excited for you guys to hear her story. She's, it is really going to bless your socks off. But she is a... So hold on to your socks. So hold on to your socks. (laughs) She is a counselor, and she's a mom, and she also has her own business on the side, which she will talk about. And you guys are just going to love her. She's spunky and fiery and has a lot of good things to say. Something I love about the conversation we have with Dee is that the question which so many of us have asked many times in our lives why do bad things happen to good people and we wish we can change we want to change things that are realities and we just can't change them and Dee's story is an example of someone who works through the pain and and being angry at God being upset and just comes around full circle to trust in God and reminds me of how Job, an example of someone who was a good person, very, very bad things happened to him. And he trusted in God no matter what. One of the things he said in Job 23, 14 was, for God will complete what he appoints for me. We can trust. God will, will complete what he appoints for us. And Dee shares how she can see now that God did exactly that in her life through the the things that she went through. Please listen in and enjoy this episode of Afraid Not. Hey, Dee. Thanks so much for coming. Hi. Well, thanks for having me. We're really grateful and thankful that you spent your time with us today. And our listeners are going to love this story, too. So thanks for being here. So tell us a little about yourself. Dee and I go way back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um... I was raised by educators. My mom and dad both were teachers. My dad was a football coach. And um, I grew up in Chandler, Arizona. I came back to Oklahoma to go to college in Weatherford. That's where my parents both grew up, and that's where all my family. Southwestern University? Southwestern Oklahoma State. Yes, Swasu all the way. So um, I came back actually my spring break of my senior year to try out for cheerleading and that was the deciding factor of where I was going to college and I made it so I packed up my bags like five days after I graduated high school and my brother drove me to Weatherford (laughs) and um, hugged my dad's neck and um, I haven't been back. Wow. I go back to visit. (laughs) I haven't been back to live so (laughs) yes. Because what happened there that made you stay here? Well, um, the very first day of my freshman year in college, um, I was introduced to a boy (laughs) at that time. He was a boy. Did he catch your eye? He caught my eye, but I was introduced to him as, um, this is Mr. Number One All-American Apple Pie, the kind of guy you take home to your mother. (laughs) So I thought I couldn't go wrong. <laughs> um, we celebrated our 30th anniversary this past summer. So we've been married 30 oh, years. Congratulations. And what is Mr. Applepie's name? Todd. <laughs> and he is um, a teacher and a coach for 30 years, but he's 
retired from coaching for the past two years. Wow. So. It's a sweet love story. So you were, you were raised by two educators, and then you were both two educators. Yes. That's cool. It is. And then tell us about your family. I have um, a daughter that's 25, Chandler, and um, she was um, a Fox 23 executive producer for the morning show and excelled at that. And I have a son that's 22 that's still in college, Troy. It's kind of interesting to see our kids growing up, isn't it? I mean, just the, the time that we had them under our roof seems like we have them forever. And then what? Let's, and then we don't. Now we don't. So. And what do you do for a living? Um, I've been in education for 25 years. I was a counselor at Owasso High School for seven years. And this past year, I took a counseling position at Tulsa Tech at the Peoria campus. And I love it. Yeah. And she's, she's an amazing counselor. She's awesome. And that's how you became friends, right? That is how we became friends. Yes. yes. We hit it right off. <laughs> I can see. I can see that. So what else do you do besides being a counselor? Do you have a, a little extra other things that you do? Um, I have a little side job. Um, I started a company um, going on three years, and it's an edible cookie dough, and edible meaning there's no eggs in it. And it's called Okie Dough. Oh, how cool. <laughs> I would love to try some. It's been um, a whirlwind, a lot of fun. I don't come from a business background, and um, it's been all trial and error and learning. But it, it has been a lot of fun and great experiences and met a lot of people through it. And it's delicious in all different kinds of flavors. We have a lot of flavors. That. How do people find, is it a website or something they can look up or is it in a store? Um, we, are, are, we actually contract with the kitchen out of Kitchen 66, which is behind the Mother Road Market or within the Mother Road Market in Tulsa on 11th and Lewis. Oh, yeah. And they have a little general store in there and we carry it in there. Um, there's a gas station on 21st and Lewis. Readers, they carry it. We are on campuses at OU and OSU and uh, in the Chesapeake Arena where the Thunder play at all the home games. Oh, how cool. And it's called Okie Dough. It's called Okie Dough, and it is delicious. And you have an Instagram also? We have an Instagram, Okie Dough. We have a website. It's okiedelicious.com. <laughs> we do not um, put in the mail because it is cookie dough, and you want it to keep it cool. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's cool that Thunder fans could get your okie dough when they go to the Thunder games. Yeah. Every event at the Chesapeake and the Cox in Oklahoma City carry it. So. How did you make the recipe <laughs> up for the non-eggs, and how did you think of that? Well, it happened on a snow day, actually, and my son had a lot of friends over, and I was making cookies, and they kept dipping in the cookie dough before I could make the cookies. And <laughs> like we've all been told, don't eat the raw cookie dough because of the eggs, which I've always eaten it, never been sick, but I didn't want other people's kids getting sick. And they, they said, why don't you just make the dough without the eggs? And it was like light bulb went off. And over the next several days, I um, made several batches and brought it to school for the kids to try. And on the fifth 
batch. Everybody liked it, and I just went with it and kept making it and bringing it to school and would have students come in upset or crying in my office, and I could immediately hand them some cookie dough, and the tears went away. It was um, <laughs> it was a very good conversation holder for the students that might even be, mm-hmm. you know, going yeah. through something, and it could get their good distraction, mm-hmm. yes, get their mind off of it, and... Um, then the students encouraged me to get um, start doing festivals and selling it, and that's just it just kind of took off like that. That is such a cool story. I know. Do you also bake the cookies as well? No, we don't bake them because there's nothing in them that'll make them rise, so they'll just be like a crunchy pancake. So it's it's meant to be just fun to eat cookie dough. Yes, I love it. Yeah. I I was very at risk many times because <laughs> I remember as a kid I would buy the Nestle Toll House package with friends yeah. and just eat it. Right. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah, we all right. did. <laughs> I know. And we made it, but... Right. Yeah. <laughs> but what is so awesome about it is um, all the, the people and the festivals and the things we've done, we even were at the OU football games for two years in the south end zone, had a little booth down there. But it's very nostalgic. It takes people right. back right. to their grandma's kitchen. Yeah. And... I, I would, it's, and it, there's, you know, my daughter said, what's your market? And I was like, everybody's our market. Everybody likes cookie dough, old, young, you know, male, female. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It is. Cool. It's so good. So, okay. So you grew up in Arizona mm-hmm. and with your parents and, um, but you were adopted. Right? I was adopted when I was like three days old. Wow. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. What a special story. Would you tell us about that? Sure. Um, I'm sure you don't remember being three <laughs> no, days I don't. old, but maybe you've been told about it. The um, my What I call my parents, which I guess would actually be my adopted parents, but they couldn't have children, and um, 18 months before I was born, they adopted a boy. So I have a brother, but we aren't biological, and he's a football coach and teacher in Arizona. And um, then, like I said, 18 months later, they got a phone call that they could pick up a little girl in Las Cruces, New Mexico, at an adoption agency, and um, they drove down and picked me up. Wow. So I was raised by them, and I found out when I was in fifth grade that I was adopted. My, They never really tried to keep it a secret. They said... Whenever we asked, then they would tell us. And I remember I was in fifth grade, and my mom and I were going to a baby shower. And I asked her what it was like when I was in her belly. And she mm-hmm. sent me down and told me I was adopted. And for a fifth grader at that time, that was a lot of information. Mm-hmm. And it, I cried. I remember crying and thinking my mom didn't want me, and she just gave me away. Um, as I've become older and even become a mother myself, I realized that that was the most selfless act mm-hmm. that someone could do is to go through a pregnancy and give that child up knowing right. that they they want that child to have the best life possible. Yes. Um, my birth mother I've actually met, and wow. I've known her for about um, 12 years now. And she was 16 and got in trouble and decided that was the best thing was to... Mm-hmm. give me up. Yeah. And she did. I was, I mean, it was definitely a God thing. I know that the older that I get and I see God's paths and plans revealed to me that I was raised by 
several strong Christian women mm-hmm. on both sides. Mm-hmm. My my dad's mother and sisters, my mom's mother and sisters, um, just a great influence for me. And uh, I, it wouldn't have been that way. You know, there's a, a verse that your story makes me think of. What a what a gift it is that God gave you the heritage He gave you. That it could have been a um, a really different different situation of you not being in a place where you were able to grow and thrive and hear about Jesus. Or I don't know, it might have been completely different. But Psalm sixteen five and six says, "The boundary lines have fallen for me." In pleasant places, you have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. It's a gift. Yeah. It's such a gift. And Definitely. I just, you know, it's really beautiful. And God's loving protection just took you right there. Mm-hmm. Like here's, the, here's the place. D is going to be in this spot. This is the perfect spot. It's pretty beautiful. Yeah, it is. It really is. And, you know, I, I didn't... Did you have any idea? Did you suspect at all before no, that day? No. I don't remember suspecting. No. And my brother, he was actually, they picked him up at an adoption home or a hospital in, in Arizona. Um, but he doesn't like to visit about it or talk about it. or. And he, he's been real supportive of me mm-hmm. um, that I found... Her and you know the first thing she said to me when we talked on the phone was, "Did I do the right thing? Did you have a good life?" It's oh. the first thing she said, and I said, "Yes, you did." And she said, "I won't ever try to be your mother, but I would love to be a grandma." Oh. And she's That's been so very sweet. supportive of my kids and tried to come to the activities that she could. So it's been the best situation. It wasn't like a Jerry Springer. Oprah, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> trailer park, right? You know, <laughs> fights or anything. So it worked out fine. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty touching to hear that that was her very first question. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Did I special. do the right thing? Did you have a good life? Yeah. So when did things start? When was 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 the time that things started getting prayed for you? Well, when I was twelve, my mother that raised me, her name was Re. She was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Mm-hmm. It was 1981. And your name is D-H-E-A, and her name is spelled R-H-E-A, correct? Right. Yeah. Rhyming. Right. Re and D. Right. Sweet. So um, back then, ovarian cancer was pretty much a death sentence. She um, had just like her regular female checkup and... From like a Saturday to a Saturday, she grew to look nine months pregnant oh. once she had had her exam. In one week? In one week. And they had scheduled the surgery. Um, I, I believe it was like around spring break because she, like, she was a teacher. And um, she they went in and they found two grapefruit sizes of cancer and several gallons of, of fluid. And that's when we found out. And she started chemotherapy right away, mm. and it was um, four years of roller coaster of her not going to make it, and she's better, and not going to make it, and she's better. And um, it was it was hard. Uh, I 
my, my mother always gave me a whole lot of responsibility and, and taught me a lot of things that my friends weren't doing. And I felt picked on and like poor little Cinderella that I have to do all these things. But I think that, again, was God preparing because when she got sick, I was able to help go get groceries. I was able to cook one or two meals a night or, you know, do some laundry. Now, I did shrink my brother's wool sweater to, like, doll size, <laughs> but I learned, you know, I learned. Uh, but she, she... That really can't happen. It's yes. not just a cartoon. Oh, really no. Can't. I was like, how did this happen? Like, you pulled it out and it was a little bit easier. Yes, it was tiny. It would have fit a doll. Yes. So um, it was hard, and... There were times that the doctors even said she won't make it through the night, and then she was up and around and great for six more months. And when I was 16 in the summer, uh, July of my um, going to be junior year, she passed away. Mm. When you were 16? When I was 16. And it was, at that moment, all of us were a little relieved because she wasn't struggling and in pain anymore because mm-hmm. the last several months were really bad and she looked sick and she she never complained ever not ever once but the I think the week before she passed she said I'm tired mm-hmm. and um she slipped into a coma and we kept her at our house and hospice you know came in and and then she she passed and like I said, I think we were relieved at first. You know, I mean, you, you still, you're mourning. And we were in Arizona, and the funeral was in Weatherford, Oklahoma, because that's where the family was, and that's where the cemetery was, and that's just how you did things back then. So we had to make that trip. It was drawn out over several days because the funeral was in Weatherford, So we left Arizona. I really don't remember. I don't remember if we flew or drove. Um, And we had the funeral, and then my dad and brother and I all went back to Arizona. And for several years, well, for the whole time she was sick, she has, my mother has three sisters, and my dad has three sisters. Um, but, But they all would come and stay and help. And my mom's mom was alive, and so everybody, like, rotated and mm-hmm. came and stayed with us. And I, I'm really, really close with all of my aunts and mm-hmm. my grandparents. We were just, I don't know if it was because of my mother's situation. I mean, we were close anyways, but I, I'm, I'm just really close. My mom has three sisters. They're all still living, and they've been wonderful to just step in and be there for me and my kids. So that was the group of strong women you're talking about. That group, yeah. And then my dad's sisters, uh, one just recently passed. Uh, we lost her, and I lived with her all through college mm-hmm. before I got married. And we were just really close. And I was just very blessed to have those women in my life. They're wonderful, wonderful women. It is a blessing. Were those first few months a kind of a fog very much a fog, very much. And my dad, I mean, he was 43 years old. So young. So young. Yeah. She was diagno- diagnosed when she was 38 and died when she was 42, would have been 43. Wow. Yeah. And they were high school sweethearts, fell in love, got married. So that's all he knew. He, um, 
had a really hard time. And some friends fixed him up with a lady who looked, walked, talked, smelled, wore the same makeup and everything as my mother. So it it was a good thing at the time, but it really wasn't mm. because he didn't completely he didn't mourn. grieve. Mm-mm. Yeah. Didn't. And um, then... Did that, he marry her? He did marry her, but he didn't marry her till I left for college. And she had two sons that weren't real supportive of the situation and it the the marriage ended and um it was better off we were all better off but um she it was very painful it was very painful for for me um I was close with her and yeah it was hard it was it was a hard time it was another loss it was another loss and and then my dad had to you know find an apartment, live on his own, because up to when he married her, he lived in the house we were in mm. and had all of our stuff. And so we put it all in storage, and my my husband and I drove out there and moved him into an apartment, and we were going through the storage, going through all of my mom's china, all of our childhood toys, all our everything, and it was very memory emotional. Memory upon memory. It was oh, horrible. Goodness. And my dad was a wreck, and I said, Dad... If we don't open these boxes, we don't even know what's in them. We don't even know what we're missing. Mm-hmm. So let's just call Goodwill and load it all up and get rid of it. Um, and now, <laughs> I wish I would have never done that, but we did. But we, that's what we you needed, had to do at the time. We had to do that. Yeah. We needed to start over, Such and we didn't need to go through that. Grief. Yes. Yeah. We found a box full of love letters when he was in the Army that my mom and him wrote back and forth. And he threw it across the room. And if it wasn't for your mother, we wouldn't be going through any of this. And it was it was hard to see your dad. Is that when he finally like actually that. did grieve? Yes. yes. So it just kind of prolonged it. Right. I got married four years after my mom had passed. And people will say it's the saddest wedding they've ever been to because we were all crying the whole time, wishing she was there. So it was... It, I mean, it was a wedding, and it was wonderful, but it was emotional at the at the same mm-hmm. time. So um, I had a really hard time and was angry at God mm-hmm. because she was a great mother. She was a great Christian. She she was a teacher. She was a, an assistant, like youth pastor helped with the kids. So all my life and my brother's life, we'd grown up around youth groups and in church and involved in church camps. And it was all because of my mom. Mm -hmm. And I had friends that had mothers that were not good mothers and were alcoholics and were never around. And everybody wanted to be at my house because my mom and my dad and our family, it was just close knit, leave it to beaver type (laughs) family. And, um, when she got sick and she died, I was angry because she was doing so much and so much good. I just had a hard time. And when I turned 32, was really the worst birthday of my life. Worst <laughs> year. People are like, oh, 30 or 40. 32, because I had now I was now beginning to live longer without my mom than with my mom. Mm. But at the same time, it hit me that... That was God's plan the whole time. Because had she not died, I would not have left Arizona. And I would have not met Todd. 
and I would not have went into education, and I would not be a teacher. And the very first years of our marriage, we were in Altus, and then we were in Frederick, and then we were in Duncan, and then we've come to Owasso. But we have been able to, as a couple, hopefully plant a lot of seeds, and our passion is kids and to serve them. And nobody goes into education to get rich. You go because you <laughs> love kids. No, I'm making millions. <laughs> millions. Yes. And yes, so we, we've we done that together. I mean, it's been a, a big, huge part of our marriage. And we've stayed up late nights, you know, praying for kids, praying with kids, opening up our home to kids, serving meals, and... N- and there were some instances in Frederick with some kids that needed us. And I realized that that would have never happened had my mom not died. It would not. And there wouldn't be a Chandler and there wouldn't be a Troy. And I, it, it's still hard and you could cry about it and lay in bed and, and be depressed every single day. But when you when you see him using you, mm-hmm. you've asked for it, you yeah. know. And in First Chronicles four ten and the prayer of Jabez, we we pray all the time. And tell our listeners the gist of that of that verse. Well, it's prayer. oh, bless me indeed. Meaning, I'm serious. Bless mm-hmm. yeah. me. <laughs> Do it now. Bless <laughs> me and expand my territory. And however you see fit, mm-hmm. and protect us, and protect my family, and and a lot of times people twist that into the prosperity like that means God's going to give you all of the wishes you ever wanted, and that's not like the way you're describing it. That's what that means. Like, mm-hmm. use me as a vessel. Use me. Yeah. And and by using me, you bless me. Mm-hmm. Right. And I and my husband and I have. We've prayed that, and we've never feared to open the doors, and we'll walk through them. Well, and you know what? When you were talking about your mom and dad's house and how everybody wanted to come there, and it was just, that's what I think of of your house. When I go to your house, there's you, like especially when our kids were all in high school, they're all at your house. They're all, you're feeding everybody. Like, that's what you did. Hmm. Well, I... I listen to Tony Evans every single morning. He's a fabulous pastor out of Dallas, and he has a podcast, and he has he's on YouTube, and um, he his his little sermon every single morning, and it's every day of the week is long enough for me to be getting ready and get my devotion and my quiet time all at the same time. And this week he's talking about freedom. And you can't truly serve without being free. Mm-hmm. And I, I really feel like he's given me the gift of a servant's heart. Yeah. And that's what makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And I like to make people happy, whether that be filling their bellies <laughs> <laughs> with food or cookie dough or whatever. It's just to, to see the grin on their face, to see that you've made a difference. Even if it's just to change, you know, their... It's always a good day when Dee brings you an egg salad sandwich for lunch. <laughs> for no reason. 
uh, turn that frown upside down. <laughs> so, yes. So you were you were in education. You taught history, mm-hmm. and then what made you decide you wanted to be a counselor? Well, I had always wanted to get my master's, mm-hmm. and ultimately, when I started education, my goal was to be at the college level. And so I thought, you know, next step is master's, but I knew I didn't want to be in administration. And I also, you know, kids would talk to me, and I felt like I could relate to students uh, a lot because I hadn't had the easiest of life. And I think I think students think teachers, like, aren't real people. Because I, right. I remember even thinking as a student, seeing my teacher the first time in jeans, I was like, wow, they wear blue jeans? Wow, I didn't even know that. <laughs> so I think... Because my life hasn't been 100% easy, and I, I was open with that with the students, and I could see that maybe I was helping a few uh, or could relate to a few that, yeah, I wanted to go into counseling, learn more of why people do the way what they do and mm-hmm. make the choices that they make. Yeah. And you've always done high school? I've always done high school, yes. I would... If I did elementary, I would take too many children home. So I had to do <laughs> high school. <laughs> had to do high school, yes. And I don't want to redo my bulletin boards all the time. I know. No. I just said that to Robin today. I was yeah. like, I am going to need you to come yeah. do bulletin board for me because I, I don't. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, no. That's not my that's forte. Not secondary. So okay. do, you see, do you see God's hand turning, you know, as his word says that, in his mysterious ways, that he brings beauty out of ashes. Have oh, you seen definitely. that his hand has been in exactly where you are and how you're with as a counselor? What are some of those things that you've noticed and you say that had to be God? Well, I just think that, that students that have crossed my path, and I mean, hopefully I've made a difference. Hopefully I've planted seeds. Hopefully I've done what... He's placed me mm-hmm. in their life. I just I don't believe there's any coincidences. I believe it's all divine. Mm-hmm. I believe that uh, when a leaf falls off a tree, it's because he plucked it off. It's not just happenstance. Mm-hmm. And I'm where I'm at all because of God. I've been I've been placed at Owasso High School, and then into Tech. I've already seen that He's using me there. And I feel very honored, very grateful, very humbled that he would choose me, the sinner, the sometimes hothead, and <laughs> uh, tell you exactly the way it is when you shouldn't say those kind of things. And um, just, I, I'm my daughter says you're brutally honest, but I, I want to be honest um, out of love and servanthood and help not to be mean or rude but well and you're a protector I think that's just your nature you're just a protector of people I try (laughs) sometimes (laughs) well I think it's a great reminder for us in this conversation and our listeners all of you out there listening that that God can bring beautiful things to come even out of the worst messes, the hardest things, that his plans and his purposes are beyond our comprehension and that he truly has 
put you where you are with a design and an intention. He's fulfilling a beautiful plan. And it is all going to work according to his will. So it's hard for us to see that sometimes, mm-hmm. especially in the dark. So what we can learn to do is pray that, that God helps us trust him in the dark until, it's, until we see the light. But he's with us even in the dark. Well, the whole time my mom was sick, I don't know where this came from, but my dad said this is going to be our family motto. And... It goes, things turn out best for those who make the best of the way things turn out. And I I tell students that a lot. You know, it's life is, you know, 10% things turn out best for those who make the best of the way things turn out. That's good. But life is, you know, 10% of what happens to us and 90% Mm -hmm. of how we react to it. Mm -hmm. And you can either let it tear you down or you can let it make you strong. So what would you, what kinds of words of encouragement would you give to somebody who's lost a parent or has somebody around them that's lost a parent? What's, what are some things that people can do or say or not do or say? Well, as for me, like I've said, I'm very truthful. And the first thing I tell students is every emotion you're feeling is normal mm-hmm. because everybody deals with it differently. And I also tell them it's not going to ever go away. You're, you know, somebody will pat you on the back and say it's going to get better. Well, it doesn't get better. You just learn how to live with it. Right. Mm-hmm. It, um, and I think when... I think when you're honest with students, mm-hmm. when you're honest with teenagers, and they see even your vulnerability, they they trust you. Right. Yeah. Because they can see through. They can see through completely. And you just if you're honest, and then at the same time you're you say I'm I'm here for you and I love you, and you pat them on the back, and you know there's there's a lot of times a, a student comes in and. And I just, you know, ask them what their situation is and what's going on. And then I always have to say, well, do you, you know, have a a church background? Do you go to Mm -hmm. church? And most of the time in our area of the United States, they say yes. And um, so I try to work, you know, build on that. Mm -hmm. In In the occasions that they say I'm not sure then I have a website that I always go to and pull up a video and we watch it together. And it's called IamSecond.com. And it has a lot of real-life testimonies of famous people and athletes and musicians. And it gives their testimonies and their stories that they're as normal as you and I. And a lot of times kids can relate to that. Right. So I use that a lot. Mm-hmm. Any other resources or things you want to share? With we'll link the, the Tony Evans podcast in the show notes. To, um, what's the name of that podcast? His Just Tony Evans, Just Tony I think. Evans. Yeah. Any other things, any books or things that have helped you or something that you would recommend to someone? Praying for your adult children. <laughs> 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 and Bobby Bones... 
um, fail until you can't. Oh, that's Bobby Bones. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's awesome. All right. We'll link all this. So what's next for D. Hudson? Um, hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I guess just continue to pray for my adult children, which, by the way, if you have teenagers and think it's about to get easier, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know. Uh, I know. And um, I don't know. We don't quite have empty nest yet, but we stay busy with cookie dough. Like I said, I love my new position at Tulsa Tech and just continue to hopefully make a positive influence everywhere I go. All right. And you are. (laughs) Hopefully. Thanks for coming on Afraid Not. Thank you for sharing your story and for encouraging the listeners out there that may be hearing this today. So thank you. Well, thanks for having me. Guys, wasn't that amazing? I adore her. So one of the things that I wanted to quote that she said was her family motto is things turn out the best for those who make the best of the way things turn out. And that is all that needs to be said. And you know how we we mentioned Psalm 16, 5, and 6 in our episode that we really can see the blessing of the boundary lines God has put in our lives. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. And the beauty of the fact that God planned for Dee to be in her family before she was born. He knew that she would be in the family he placed her in. And you listeners today, God knew exactly where you'd be. And the Tony Evans quote that she shared, that Dee shared, says, you can't truly serve without being free. So just remember it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. And when you accept what he has for you and serve others with joy, you're going to be living in a life that is filled with purpose. We're so glad you listened today. We hope this encouraged you. Please remember to rate and review and, and subscribe. When you rate and review our show, it helps bump up for our listenership. So please be sure and do that. And we will be back with you again in two weeks. See See you then. See you then. Bye.